Welcome to the King's Cast. Dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Would you like to turn in your Bibles to Acts 2, verses 38 and 39? Verse 38, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, and for all who the Lord would call. This morning, my, the title of my message is The Dynamic Difference. And most of you will know that this church is a Pentecostal church. And I wonder what that means to you. What do you think that that means? And what I think it means is that it's a church where the gifts of the Holy Spirit are both believed in and practiced. A Pentecostal church should give you a Pentecostal experience. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. We're going to look at the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So this is one of my favorite subjects. And there are some of you in the room here today who I have encouraged very, very strongly in the gift of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And it wouldn't be too unkind of you if you said to me that that encouragement had come close to a bit of gentle bullying. (laughs) And But the reason that I'm so determined that you would receive this gift is that that I hope to teach you that as I expected you to receive it, then that would encourage you to believe that you can receive it. As we've just read, this gift is for all and for all who the Lord would call. So I hope that my faith would encourage your faith to know that you can receive this gift for yourself. Peter, sorry, today I'm talking about Peter, uh, the Apostle Peter, and Peter, my husband, quite a lot. So I'll clarify which one I'm talking about. So Peter, my husband, often... um, says that we're a product of what we're taught. It's so important what we're taught, what we believe. And so it's very important that we believe that this gift is for everybody. It's not for a select few. If we, were to, if we believe that it was for a select few, then because of human nature, we think, well, it's probably not for me, and, and sidestep this whole issue of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> baptism means to be immersed or pickled. You know, if you look at, think of a small cucumber, it becomes a pickle because it is immersed in vinegar, left in that solution. And, and so that's what baptism means. And so baptism in the Holy Spirit means to be immersed in the presence of Almighty God. Anyway, I'm pleased to say that my passion in seeing, in seeing people immersed in this presence of God in that I'm in good company. Because the Apostle Paul's first question to, to the, to the um, believers in Ephesus was had they received this baptism in the Holy Spirit when they had first believed. Also in Acts 8, 
when, they, when the church heard that in Samaria they had received the word of God, they, they immediately sent Peter and John that, they, that that church, or that group of new disciples would receive the baptism. And the apostles knew from their experience the difference that the power of the Holy Spirit had made in their lives. These disciples had been with Jesus for three whole years. They'd been with him. They'd known him as... Sorry, they'd been with him and they'd taught and they'd, and they'd learnt from him and, they, and they'd loved him. And when he left them, there were a group of 500 disciples. But they don't, weren't doing so well because we read that by the time Pentecost came, which wasn't that, far, wasn't that long after the ascension, there were only 120 of them who were waiting there for, for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But when the baptism came, when that wonderful day came that they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that, that Joel had prophesied and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, that day, thing, from that day, things started to be different. On that day, 3,000 were added to their number, and after that, more were added day by day. That was in Acts 2 and verse 4. Then in Acts 4 and verse 4, 5,000 came to Christ. And then in Acts 5, uh, 15, it says that the word says that multitudes were added to their number. They were having amazingly successful meetings, but it was it wasn't because they knew Jesus. It, we've, seen, we've seen that. The, the numbers were decreasing. But once they'd received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, things started to become very different. And that's why I've called this message the dynamic difference, because the Holy Spirit can make such a dynamic difference to the life of a believer. So we're going to look at... We, we, I, just, I really, really want you to get this this morning that the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is extended to all who are far off and all who the Lord will call. For every true Christian today, this baptism is for you. So we're going to look at this morning, how is this baptism received? Firstly, we must realize that the Holy Spirit is a gift that is given to us. The Apostle Peter refers to the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who, be, who obey him. So he gives this gift. And Jesus told us that our Heavenly Father would give the gift of the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. So we need to, we need to there are a few things that we're going to look at this morning and I'm trying to understand. The gift cannot be earned. As Christians, we know that we can never earn our way into heaven. We know that we can't get into heaven by our own goodness or our own virtue. Our eternal life depends on the atoning work of Christ on the cross. We enter heaven and are made right with God through our faith in Jesus Christ. And in the same way, we'll never be good enough to receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit. But God has washed us and he has justified us and he looks at us as though we had never, ever sinned. And I believe that some of you need to hear that again today. When God looks at you, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ and you've been washed in the blood, then God, when he looks at you, he looks at you as though you had never, ever, ever sinned. You are clean and white and pure before him. And so because of that, by his grace... We, we can receive in these days now a foretaste of heaven in the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's how precious 
the gift of the Holy Spirit is. It's like a little taste. He is like a taste of heaven here on earth. We also need to understand that the gift has already been given. Jesus gave his disciples very clear instructions before he ascended into heaven. Go and wait for the promised gift. The, the gift of the promise, the Father has promised you. Go and wait for it. And sometimes we know that we're going to get a gift and we wait in anticipation. My husband Peter has this amazing and a very annoying ability to guess accurately what I'm going to, whatever present I'm going to give him. In the beginning, in the early days, he'd look under the Christmas tree and he'd look at the, the presents that are wrapped up and he'd say, oh, that's that, isn't it? And at, at first it was, you know, it was funny. <laughs> as, as the years have gone on, it's become less and less funny. And this year, I decided, I decided to give him a special treat. And I got excited about it and I said, oh, I've got something really special for you this year. And I think he's already guessed what it is. But I told him, if you speak it out, if you say what it is, I'm not going to give you that present. But I do think he already knows. And I don't know how he knows. Um, but he's waiting for that gift that is next, is Saturday, on Saturday, his birthday. But I haven't bought it yet. I've still got time to change my mind. <laughs> And in the, same, in the same way, he's waiting for his gift on Saturday morning. The early disciples had to wait for the gift of the Holy Spirit before Pentecost. But that, that waiting is over for us. We no longer have to wait for the gift of the Holy Spirit because he has been poured out by God's grace. Hallelujah. So the gift, mu- but the gift must be received. We have to, to re- actually receive that gift. In the book of Acts, we see that all the converts received the gift of the Holy Spirit. Peter knows that he's going to get get a gift next week. It's like a promise to him. And as long as he, he doesn't say what it is, he will get the gift on Saturday morning. But I have yet to purchase that gift. But I will do before Saturday morning. And then on the morning of the 21st, I'm going to present the gift to him. I'm going to give the gift to him. And he will then be in possession of that gift. And you can all ask him on the international evening what it was. (laughs) But in the same way, the Holy Spirit was promised by the prophet Joel. The gift was purchased by Christ's atoning death on the cross. The gift was presented to the church at Pentecost. And now, ever since, and, and ever since then, whoever would like to receive that gift and take possession of it only needs to come and ask because the gift has been poured out. It's ready, waiting for you to take for yourself and receive by simple faith. So the gift can't be earned. The gift has already been given. The gift must be received. So let's look at who can receive this gift. The gift cannot be earned. But there's sort of like a bit of a condition attached to the gift. We must be thirsty for God. So if you're going to come with an attitude of chewing gum and hands in your pockets, then you're probably not displaying the right attitude to God, that you really, really want this gift. But Jesus said, once the Holy Spirit has been given... Anyone who's thirsty 
might, can come and drink. That's from John 7. And a man who's truly thirsty will drink. You know, sometimes you're so thirsty. It doesn't happen to us very often because we've always got, got a drink around the place. But if you've been exercising, you're, you, get, you get so thirsty. And you, once you, when you can re- drink that water, then you feel, you're, you know, you're desperate for it. But once you've drunk it, your thirst is really satisfied and you feel so much better. So God wants us to come to him with real thirst. <clears throat> and we, even to pant, you know, the psalmist wrote that my soul pants for the living God. We just want him so much. And that's kind of a, an attitude that God wants for us in, in this gift. And when we want him so much, then our, our natural desires and our, our, our humanity pales in significant insignificance to him. God imposes no limitations on this gift. He is, in, in John 3, it's written that God gives a spirit without measure. There are no limitations as far as he's concerned. We can come and drink. The only limitations there are that are the ones that we impose on ourselves. But Jesus said to all who are truly thirsty, come to me and drink. So the gift is for all who are far off and all that the Lord would call. And the word here means what it says. The word of God always means what it says. It doesn't mean that Jennifer, oh, she can't receive the gift because she's not a feeler. She doesn't feel. Or for um, someone else, Andrew, who, doesn't, who finds it difficult to receive those, those are Christian jargon. That's stuff that we've said about this. The, 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 the gift of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for all. If we come with thirst. Some people don't find it easy to receive this baptism and they struggle with it. But today, I just want everyone just to relax and we're going to have a time of prayer at the end. And it's just about yielding yourself, allowing God to take control some of us like to be in control of, of everything and they think, oh, I don't know what God's going to do to me. But, he, but God just wants to immerse you today in his wonderful presence. So it's, we, we have to yield ourselves over to him, let him take control. So how do we receive that gift? <clears throat> well, Jesus said, come to me. And it's, to G- it's Jesus who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. And if we want to receive, then we must come to Jesus. So at the end, I'm going to pray for you, but you're not coming to me for prayer. You're coming to Jesus, that he might baptize you in the Holy Spirit. Luke 11, verses 11 to 13 says, Which of you, fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? You know, those are things that we just wouldn't do, would we? whether we're fathers or mothers or, or whoever actually came to us. And then, then Jesus says, if, if you then, who are evil, <laughs> know how to give good gifts to your children, we know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So this teaching is about asking for the Holy Spirit. It's not about prayer, but it's about the Holy Spirit and and God so wants us to be, to, to have that experience.
But we need to come as children as well. Jesus taught us, didn't he? He said that unless we come as children, we won't be able to inherit the kingdom of God. And at the moment, in Treasure Kids and in youth, we're having just a wonderful time of, of experiencing the Holy Spirit. They're, the majority of them are speaking in tongues. And they can do that very easily because they're children. They don't come with all this nonsense in their head. When we say, who is God? They think God is God, that he's almighty, that he's powerful, that he's glorious, that, he's, that he can do anything. Of course, a, a child who's five years old thinks God can do anything. He doesn't think, oh, well, no, not, perhaps not for me because I'm not really good enough. God, and, and that's how we're supposed to come to God as children to receive all of the goodness and the fullness that he has for us. So when we come to receive the gift of the, the Holy Spirit, we should also accept, expect to pray in other tongues. This is a common feature in the, book of the, in the book of Acts. The Holy Spirits were filled with the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. And the, the common theme in all of these is that they spoke in tongues. At Pentecost, um, tongues came down, tongues of fire came down, and there was a mighty rushing wind, and they spoke in tongues. And then in Cornelius' house, as Peter was um, teaching, teaching the Gentiles, even when he was still speaking, the Holy Spirit fell as, it had in, as he had in the beginning, and they spoke in other tongues. And then in, um, in Ephesus, when Paul was teaching about the gift of the Holy Spirit or about Jesus, um, they all started to speak in tongues and to prophesy. But we see here that the, that the, that the common feature in all of these experiences was what, that they spoke in other tongues. And we should expect to speak in other tongues. When you speak in tongues, it's something that you do. It's not something that, ho- that the Holy Spirit does for you. Paul teaches us in 1 Corinthians 14, if I pray in an unknown tongue, it's my spirit that prays. So the Holy Spirit is not, doing, is not, is not praying for you. He's enabling your spirit to pray. Now everyone who speaks in tongues at first, they think they're making it up. I haven't come across anybody ever that says, that just thinks, oh, it's, you know, that's a gift from God. Everyone is, is reluctant at first to believe that God is really doing that through you. But it's something that really gives me enormous faith. Early on, the Lord would give you a few words or, or a phrase. And you can, you can call it speaking in tongues or another way to think about this gift is that you're, it's your own private prayer language. And when you pray in, uh, in the early days, you'll have uh, just this same phrase that you'll repeat over and over again. And I, th- I think that there's no way on this earth that I could possibly make up exactly the same phrase over and over again. Even if I wrote it down, because it's made up, I would say I pronounce it differently. And I think there's an amazing thing to give faith that this is actually a gift from God. And the more that you practice the gift of speaking in tongues, the more the Lord, will, the more words the Lord will give you. And I find it so exciting sometimes because I love to pray in tongues, and um, and I, I I do it a lot. And sometimes I'll pray. It's not very often, but sometimes I'll pray and I sound like I'm speaking in Chinese, and I think. <laughs> How amazing is that? I don't know what, obviously I don't know what I'm saying, but it sounds like it's Chinese. And then another time, 
I'll speak in tongues and it'll sound like I'm speaking Arabic. And it's just, it just amazes me. But I believe that, I believe the word of God, that, that God gives us these languages. But it's good for us to ask why should we do these things? It's no good me standing here and saying, you should pray in tongues. Unless, and it, you won't do it unless you believe that it'll do you good. So the first reason we should speak in tongues is from 1 Corinthians 14. And Paul teaches us here, he says, he who speaks in tongues edifies himself. Or we'd say in in simpler English, we'd say builds himself up or strengthens himself. So as you pray in tongues, what you're doing is you're making yourself strong spiritually. And I want to be strong spiritually. I want to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And I believe the word that says that as I do this, I will become stronger and stronger. So that's one reason why we should speak in tongues. Another reason is that it's a a way for us to communicate directly with God through our spirits in prayer and in worship. Sometimes we don't have the right words or enough words or a big enough vocabulary to express what we really feel about Jesus. Can you imagine what it was like for the disciples? They'd been with Jesus he'd been a, and they'd known him as a carpenter. They'd known him as a teacher. They'd known him as a worker of miracles. They'd even believed that he was the Messiah. But they'd never seen him as they saw him after the resurrection. They, they saw him and he, he, was, he wasn't, uh, you know, he was still like a man. But then they realized who he was. They realized that he was the son of God. And then they even saw him take off in the ascension. Can you imagine what it must have been like to see Jesus beamed up to heaven? It must have just been so awesome. And how they must have wanted to worship him. And as they suddenly realized they got this revelation of who he truly was, Thomas fell down and said, you're my Lord and my God. And I think when they got the, when, when they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and they were able to praise God in their own tongue, I think it must have helped them so much to truly express their, their worship to him. We know Jesus as we know who, that he is the King of Kings. We know that he is the Lord of Lords. We know that he is God. We know that he reigns in heaven and he reigns on earth. And on Thursday at the Bible study, you missed out so much. We, we saw him newly as Lord, as Yahweh. We know Jesus is the sovereign Lord. We know he's the maker of the universe. We know him that, that by him all things exist. All things were made through him. He's not just the Christ. As a, he, sorry, he is the Christ. He was not just Jesus of Nazareth. And he is worthy of our worship. And we can worship him in these ways. And we, all of these words I've just used are wonderful to worship him. But a wonderful release comes when by faith we can utter new words of praise to him as we begin to speak, as our spirit gives utterance. It's a wonderful, wonderful gift that we have been given. I just want to ask in the room, who here speaks in tongues? Just raise your hand, give us a wave if you speak in tongues. And are you all pleased that you received the gift of, the gift of speaking in tongues?
I've been thinking, I was thinking, um, you know, the iPhone. iPhones are, I think they're amazing. And I have um, never asked anybody, I, I, I have an iPhone, but if ever I say to anybody, do you like your iPhone? That person will say, oh, I love it. I love my iPhone. And once you've had an iPhone, you'll be totally converted to iPhones. You'll never want another phone. But the person that doesn't have an iPhone will think, well, what's the big deal? Who needs that? Look, I've got this phone. It's good enough. (laughs) But, and in the same way, once you've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you'll be converted. You'll never think, oh, I wish I'd never got that. But if you don't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you might think, well, who wants to speak in another language and not understand what you're talking about? But once you receive that baptism of the Holy Spirit, you'll be won over. I can't imagine a life without the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I have been fused with Almighty God in that baptism. That's what happened when God came and baptized me in the Holy Spirit. And that moment, I was fused with him. I I was made one with him. And if I had to ever live without that, I don't, I don't, I don't think I could. I, I'd rather just, I know it sounds melodramatic, but I believe that I just would want to curl up and die. Because I couldn't imagine living without this dynamic difference. He's made such an enormous difference to my life. John wrote, the Apostle John wrote in John 6, 36, the Spirit gives life. He brings the, 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 the kingdom of the, the, the life of the kingdom. The flesh, the flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of spirit and life. So once we've received this gift, then we really need to value the gift. Paul wrote in Ephesians 5, 18 to 19. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart. About a month ago, I um, thought that I'd lost my wedding ring and my engagement ring. And I be- and. I always take my rings off at night time. I put a bit, little bit of hand cream on and I put them by my bedside table. <laughs> and I believe that the Lord allowed me to, well, I think I lost them. But the, 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 sometimes when I lose things, I ask the Lord and he helps me find them really, really quick. But that didn't happen this time. And it, I was a whole day without them and I was so worried. And um, when Peter and I got engaged, that's my husband. <laughs> We didn't have much money. As single people know, when you're living on your own, you, you don't have much money. And um, Peter went up to the far north of England and did, um, did a, a meeting, a healing meeting there. And um, I remember the weekend well because it cost him a lot, um, not financially but emotionally, to go. We, it was very difficult for him to be away at that time. And it's also not easy to travel and minister on your own either. Anyway, the church rewarded him for that, and they gave him a very nice financial gift. And with that money, he bought me my engagement ring. <laughs> and I, I love this ring. I was able to choose to have the gift 
the, the ring of my choice, even if he'd have had thousands and thousands of pounds, which he didn't, I would have chosen this ring. So I really, really love it. So when I thought I'd lost it, and I thought I'd also lost my wedding ring the other week, um, I was really devastated. I knew I couldn't replace it emotionally or financially, really. And I spent the day just getting more and more upset and worked up. Ephesians 1.14 says that the promised Holy Spirit... Sorry, in, in Ephesians 1.14, the promised Holy Spirit is described as a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. The inheritance of, uh, of those who are God's possession and to, to his praise. <clears throat> and here the word deposit guaranteeing could be replaced with engagement ring. The Holy Spirit is given to us as a promise of what is to come. Just as when Peter gave me my engagement ring, he promised that he would marry me, didn't he? That's what an engagement ring means. And so now we are able to enjoy the Holy Spirit and, and, that, and the gift of the Holy Spirit as he comes down and becomes part of our lives is a, a taste, of, a foretaste of heaven on, here on earth. And the gift of the Holy Spirit, just as this cost Peter to, to go away and to go away that weekend. And so I'm not comparing Peter to Jesus, obviously. But, um, but, the, but the, the gift of the Holy Spirit cost Jesus everything on the cross. And, and we need to really value the presence, that, the, the presence of the Holy Spirit. So when I eventually found my rings, I felt the Lord speak to me and say, have you really been valuing my presence? recently in your life and I must admit that I had a bit, little time of repentance and that I hadn't because God speak, spoke to me because obviously he wanted to ask me that question to, to correct me so I had a little bit of a time of repentance and since then I've been enjoying a renewed appreciation of the presence of the Holy Spirit in my life that week I knew that I hadn't been putting my rings on <clears throat> but I hadn't realized that they were lost until the Thursday. So I hadn't worn them Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And I thought that I was just forgetting to put them on. I thought, I'm getting a bit older <laughs> and just forgetting. But actually, afterwards, I realized that I hadn't put them on because I hadn't seen them by the side of my bed. And I wonder how many of us don't engage with the Holy Spirit on a daily basis because we can't see him. He's not going to change that. But perhaps that's something that we need to change and think about much more often, that the Holy Spirit is always with us. He's promised never to leave us and never forsake us. Jude teaches us, Jude, the book of Jude, that's Jesus' brother, his, his natural brother. He taught us, build yourself up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. And it's something that we need to do on a daily basis. When you're at home on your own, Obviously, not in, don't pray in tongues in the office because everyone just think you're weird and want to run away from you. But when you're on your own, pray in tongues. Believe that, that, that what you're doing is building yourself up spiritually. Make yourself strong. And also, then when we come together, we can take off, can't we? Rather than need, everyone needing three or four songs to warm up and get going spiritually. So this gift is, is from God. It's the gift from God Almighty who created the universe, who has all knowledge and all wisdom. 
he must have been able to think up the best gift to give his children. And I really think he did in this gift of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This gift this morning is for you. The gift is the abiding presence of the third person of the Trinity. Let's never think of the Holy Spirit as less than the Father and the Son. The Holy Spirit is up there. He is God. He's, he's as, as important to us as the Father and the Son. And as we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, that gift is the gateway for us into the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And that, but that's a, a message for another time. But there are gifts then that we can start to move in once we have been baptized in the Holy Spirit, such as prophecy and, and healing. But we can't move in those gifts until we have been, received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And those gifts of the Holy Spirit are for the strengthening of the church rather than for ourselves. But it's something that we're starting to move in in Treasure Kids. Last Sunday, at, um, we, we went down the road and we waited on the Lord. Um, it was Treasure Kids and some of the youth came to. And the Lord spoke to us amazingly. It was so exciting that these young children would start, start prophesying and, and bringing messages for other people in the group, that the other people in the group would be strengthened. And that's what we should be moving in in, our, in the Pentecostal church, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So this morning I'd like to open up the altar for any of you who are thirsty for God, whether you've never received this gift before or whether you'd like a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. When I was at the, conf- at the Assemblies of God conference a couple of weeks ago, they uh, were just talking about being a Pentecostal church and how important the presence of God is, is for us as a movement. And after one of the, the messages, I went forward to uh, get, receive a, a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. And it did me good. It really did. So I've heard, I hope that we've learned this morning that the gift is for all of you. It's for all whom the Lord would call, all who are far off. So I want to encourage you this morning to draw near to God. Thank you for listening and we trust that the word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www kingscambridge.org If you're listening on iTunes we would love you to leave us some feedback God bless and goodbye